Well, it's a great privilege to, to speak to you folks here. Uh, most of the time, I just kind of watch the back of the preacher's head from the back row of the choir during the, during the year, and it's good to be, be out front. So we're at Trinity United Methodist Church, and that, you know, and of course, I'm speaking on the Trinity because this in the church calendar is Trinity Sunday, the week after Pentecost, which was last week, and you perhaps wore red to church, is, is always Trinity Sunday, and, and of course, that's the name of our church. It's the name of our congregation. So I thought, well, I'm just going to do a little investigation to find out, you know, how our church got its name. You know, back in the uh, 1880s, uh, Lincoln was just uh, being formed. You know, the first Methodist Episcopal Church, which is the name of our denomination then, uh, was uh, sometimes called First United Methodist Church, but also called St. Paul. And of course, St. Paul is a big downtown congregation today. The church we call First United Methodist Church was First United Methodist Church of University Place, not Lincoln. And so that's the town that sprung up around Nebraska Westland. So as it began to establish another congregation, they had several names. And in 1883, it was a South Lincoln Methodist Episcopal Church, which is not terribly inspiring. And uh, and of course, the part of Lincoln they were calling South Lincoln is, is kind of central now. Uh, 1885, they were the A Street Church. And in 1887, no, 1885, later in that year, they, they were called the Second Methodist Episcopal Church. I'm kind of glad that name did not stick. You know, we're number two, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's not sound like a, a very good cheer anyway. So in 1887, they had said the conference, and I'm assuming that was the quarterly conference, the meeting of, uh, of the church. You know, the annual conference was, was something different, but the quarterly conference was the local church meeting. We have church conferences today every year toward the end of the year to do our budget and elect officers. Gave the present name of Trinity. So the answer to the question, how we get our name was they had a meeting. At the end of the meeting, that was the name of the church. You know, that's a very Methodist way of doing things. We have meetings, and, and now, now we have the name. And, and I am absolutely positive that either at that meeting or in the next worship service, they sang Holy, 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 the, the, one of the songs of our introduction. That's uh, many uh, traditional churches. Often they sang it every week. Uh, it was an important part. So today I'm going to talk a little bit about the concept of the Trinity. One of the things that I always did in my confirmation classes on the first class, I'd give them drawing materials and say, I want you to draw a picture of God. And I was thinking of, of, the, of the little story that's very traditional about the little girl who was drawing away and, and her mom asked, well, what are you drawing? She said, well, I'm drawing a picture of God. She says, well, we don't know what God looks like. And she, of course, said, well, they, they will when I'm done. Uh, so, in life of that, so it's very interesting. So, you know, what does God look like? And it always was fascinated. What, what's your impression of what God is? Is what the real part of that question is. So, so some would draw this long-haired, bearded guy on a throne. Some would. Uh, one one uh, student drew a picture of the burning bush. That was really creative. I love that. The fire. Picture of Jesus. You know, so what is your image of God? And, and, and that is kind of what we're talking about in the Trinity. It, it, it's a difficult thing to preach on because it's a very abstract concept and, and we like to think in concrete terms. 
And I remember in seminary, I went to Isle of School of Theology in Denver. And I remember sitting in the classroom where church history class was. The professor was going on about the different substances. Was God one substance in different forms or many substances? And he had the Greek words that described all that, which I have forgotten. And I remember particularly about that class, you know, how beautiful the mountains were outside the west-facing window. That was my impression of that. It just kind of faded over my head. Uh, and that was the joys of going to school in Denver. You had those beautiful mountains on the western, uh, out the western windows of the building. So how do we understand what God really is? You know, and then we could go into like three equals one and one equals three and we're all confused. And, and the youngest, the first graders monks would tell us that's not real math. So what, how do we understand this? Well, one of the concepts that helps me is, is that, it, it, that in the theater, back in the ancient Greek theater, you know, actors would come out and they had a mask over their face. And they would do their part in the play and they'd go off stage and get a different mask and come back as a different character. Actors uh, showing a different face, a different persona to, to the, the audience. And that was called, you know, the three persons of God. Now the word Trinity never appears in the Bible and, and the only time where it's put together is the end of Matthew, go and, and preach in the world in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So the first scripture I chose was very familiar to you from the very beginning of the Bible in the, in the chaos of the universe, God said, let there be light and there was light and God created the world. So one of the personas, the, the ways that God shows him, God's self to us is as a creator. And that's a very powerful image, you know. Uh, God made everything, you know, and, and with just a word and he made human beings and, and they disobeyed and, uh, you know, so how do you worship and how do you please a God like that? Other religious civilizations have done sacrifices. And in uh, the Bible, uh, our Old Testament, there are times when people sacrificed to God. But that's kind of a fearful God. You know, we, we're not quite sure what that God of power and might, the God of the burning bush, the God of Exodus. How do we relate to him? How do we relate? to that particular image of God. And that's a fearful one sometimes, you know, and uh, so now we have a different face of God. In, in, in the Gospel of John, in his beautiful prologue, one of the most beautiful parts of the Bible, you know, the word became flesh. Remember that word that created the word, created the heavens and the earth, the logos, that word God said, and there was, and that word became a human being full of grace and truth and beheld his glory, glory of the only begotten son. So God showed himself as a human being. That human being came into the world and we're gonna talk next week, uh, we're gonna do a little Christmas celebration in June. So the music will be very familiar uh, and, and, and it's gonna be great fun. Uh, but we're going to talk a little bit about how, how what, this, what the stories of Jesus' birth were. Uh, 
But that's next week. So God came into the world. It was a very frightful place. Uh, Mary and Joseph and Jesus had to flee into Egypt to get away from the evil powers of the world. And as that whole story unfolded, there's another story in Luke about uh, when Jesus was, was a child. The only story of Jesus' childhood is when they go to the temple and, and uh, Jesus separates himself from the traveling party and, and Mary in either a very soft and, and beautiful loving voice or at the top of her lungs says, where are you, Jesus? And she was kind of confused by her teenager. Um, I don't know if any parents of teenagers are ever confused by your kids or not, but you know, kids know that sometimes you confuse your parents. So, and he lives that kind of lie. He lived our life, you know. And I'm absolutely convinced that the boy Jesus, you know, fell and had scabs on his knees because that's what kids do. And, and he grew and 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 lived the life. And, and of course, we know the stories of his. Went to a party, went to a wedding, he, he, he taught, he healed, he preached. And that powerful image of Gethsemane where it says, Jesus, take this cup from me. Take this cup from me. And yet, not my will, but thy will. And he suffered and he died. And that's a powerful part of the story. Jesus as a human being and, and and I may not be able to relate to that God the creator but I can relate to a person who lived a life like mine and that's how God reached out to us to become one of us so that's the next persona the next person of the Trinity and then after, in, in the scriptures, after Jesus ascended to heaven and was gone, the disciples were in fear. They saw Jesus die. They saw him rise. They were, again, confused and scared. And they gathered in a, in a place in Jerusalem, an upper room in Jerusalem, and God's spirit came upon them in wind and fire. Now, those are powerful images. We in Nebraska know about wind. Uh, sometimes the wind blows and then sometimes it, it blows harder. I particularly learned that out in Sydney. Uh, where then it blows really hard. Uh, and, and fire, you know, that, that fire is, is both life-giving. It's how we cook our food. It's how we heat our homes. It's how we provide our energy to give us our, our lives, our electricity. It's also very destructive. We have a fire department to protect us from the fire gotten out of control. And in the midst of that, all the disciples, uh, there, there was a miracle that happened and God's spirit came upon them. You remember in the, old, in the Tower of Babel in Genesis, the Bible explains how we have different languages as well. There was that people got a, kind of ahead of themselves and they tried to build a tower to God and God confused all the languages. Well, on the day of Pentecost, and a scripture reader can give me thanks. No, I didn't have her read the next part of that because it uh, uh, explains all the different places in the world. It's, it's probably the most dense name of difficult to pr pronounce names in the scripture that there is. But all the places where people could now, they can now understand 
the languages were brought back together. So the spirit of God is bringing the world back together. So people could speak to the folks from Greece and, and, and Turkey and, and all these other places in the world. You know, I, I admit I kind of prayed for that gift when I was taking high school French because it didn't come too easily for me. But that's the power of God. So in a, in a very simple elementary way, we've talked about God coming to us in different forms. And that's what the Trinity really is. You know, of course, they had meetings to decide what that really was. And we're not going to get into that because it's really boring. But now we know God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Or Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer. You know, the God who made the world. The God who saves the world. The God who powers it on and gives us strength to do our mission. You know, we prayed that the Holy Spirit would go with our mission team because that's what's going to give them the power as one of the students come in to me, you know, it's really hot in El Paso. And yes, it is. You know, there will be discomfort. There will be uh, not fun times and there will be glorious, wonderful times for them by the power of God's Spirit. And so that's just a brief thing about that concept that our church was named after because it was really important for folks to understand that back in, in the 1880s and, and also, also now. So uh, let's, let's join together in just a, a brief word of prayer. Lord God, we thank you for this beautiful day, for the ways you come to us, both as the creator who made the world, the Redeemer who saves the world, and the Spirit that empowers us in love and in joy. Amen.